in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, how's this for snow? Wow. Uh, they said three inches was coming our way, and it's just wet out there. It's just kind of rainy. I saw some snow in the park, uh, but it's just really slush more than snow. And that's it, huh? We basically had no snow. It's the last day of February. Uh, that's it. It Basically, every now and then it snows in March. Um, so what is going on? Uh, finally, a little bit of accountability. You know, we lost a war in uh, Afghanistan in 2021. Yeah, that happened. You know, remember our Marines who were killed, soldiers, sailors killed needlessly. I mean, just the whole thing was a total, total catastrophe. Man-made, artificially created by Joe Biden. Oh, Joe, you really stink at being president. Or though maybe, you know, I'm, I'm more and more I'm kind of gathering. You ever see the movie The Manchurian Candidate? I'm not talking about the Denzel Washington one. I'm talking about the good one, the one with uh, Frank Sinatra. Uh, that was one hell of a movie. And basically uh, the Chinese and the Russians conspire to um, insert a brainwashed individual into American politics who will work for the Chinese and the Russians. And uh, it almost works. It They almost pull it off. Uh, I mean, there's something kind of akin to that going on with Joe Biden. He is not loyal to America. It, the way he's operating, the way he's the decision-making, the the no attention to the border, the letting the Chinese eat our lunch, all this stuff, he's got to be compromised. They own him. They know, and he is afraid of being, it's like he's been blackmailed. It, it, that's what it looks like to me. I think the guy's been blackmailed. Otherwise, there's no rhyme or reason to this stuff. Now, it's kind of fun to watch the left. They continue to make excuses for him or look the other way. Oh, this is beautiful. Did you see it on my show last night? I, uh, you know, it's it's incredible the lengths they will do. They will go to protect Joe Biden. Now, the the fake news, they're always talking about how important they are, right? And what do they love to talk about? Democracy. Democracy. I love democracy. We have a we don't have a literal democracy. It's not like the people decide everything. We have a constitutional republic, and I actually like it that way, okay? Let's just say tomorrow, uh sixty percent of the people voted that. Um, I don't know, you had to get the vaccine or they're going to put you to death. Imagine that, right? I mean, just because a majority says that doesn't mean we're going to do that. We have certain safeguards, certain rules. Our founding fathers, they're so good. They understood and they said it. Some of these rules are inalienable. They come from God. You can't vote them away. Oh, boy, those guys were sharp. But a democracy, shorthand, yes, it's great. But they have perverted it. The more they talk about it, the more they're actually running away from it. Cut 37, please. Cut 37. They're an important reminder of how close we came to losing our democracy and how fragile that democracy remains. We're a very young democracy and a fragile democracy. The chance to fix this problem is now, before we actually do lose democracy. Our democracy is under attack. Um, we have to understand how fragile our democracy is. If we don't defend our democracy, we can lose it. Ooh, wow, that just sounds such a what, a, what a, what a wonderful talking point. Now, they don't mean anything. It's just something, some, they have perverted democracy. And now it's a partisan tool, the word. And they think they can use it against MAGA because of January 6th. 
We love democracy. All right. Democracy is great. And you know what you need for democracy? A free and fair press. Oh, yes, you do. It's a big chunk of uh, democracy is so dependent on a free and fair press. Last night on the show, I whipped out a whole bunch of quotes from John Adams, from uh, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. These guys were very, very adamant that the press had to be free. You couldn't pass any rules to uh, hinder or censor uh, or control the press. It's interesting, though. I wonder if they ever thought that the press would just pass those rules to control themselves. So do you remember, um, well, right now, uh, what's his name? Uh, David Muir from ABC News. I don't know why they're just dripping and little drips and drabs of that interview we did with uh, Biden a couple of days ago. Like they have a couple of it on Thursday, then again on uh, World News Tonight on Friday, and then on the Good Morning America Saturday show. And then finally the rest of it on this week with Martha Raddatz. I think it's Martha's show now. Uh, and in that time, I watched the whole damn thing, and they don't say one iota. Well, do me a favor. Listen to this first, all right? Cut 43, cut 43. This is from that interview with Joe Biden. He's feeling his oats now. He's doing more and more press interviews. Cut 43. China's President Xi is coming to Russia, uh, likely as early as this spring. I know the State Department and the Pentagon now have both warned China not to offer lethal military assistance to Russia. Would that cross a line for you? Look, it's not in China's... I had a very frank conversation with President Xi this past summer on this issue. This past summer. Not just... I missed that the first time. He talked to President Xi this past summer. Now we've had the balloon. Now we got Ukraine. China wants to... They're going to negotiate the peace deal. China wants to send weapons to Ukraine. They probably already have. And Joe Biden hasn't talked to President Xi since last summer. Now, uh, didn't he say that, uh, didn't Joe Biden brag? He continues to brag how close he is to President Xi of China. I found this very weird. This just means they have a business relationship, okay? Uh, And I think President Xi has the goods on Joe. Otherwise, well, if he knew him as well as he did, and the relationship was on the up and up. Why wouldn't he call him? Listen to Joe brag about how close he is to the Chinese president. Cut 44. I've spent more time with Xi Jinping in China than any world leader has. When I was vice president all the way through to now. Over 78 hours with him alone. Eight, nine of those hours on the phone and the others in person. I'm traveling 17,000 miles with him around the world. I spent more time with Xi Jinping than anybody, any other head of state. And I'd always be, when I traveled them 17,000 miles, spent 78 hours with them, they tell me. I spent time, more time with Xi Jinping than any world leader has. Over 76 hours, we traveled 17,000 miles in China and the United States together. So why is Joe so reluctant to call him now? Why is he, why was he talking to him so much and now he can't get him on the phone? What's going on? What were they talking about during those 78 hours? And was Joe representing America well? Was he representing our interests? I think I know he was representing hunters. That was a business venture. They were talking business. They were talking cash. And 78 hours alone with Joe Biden? I, I bet Motormouth Joe did most of the talking. <laughs> President Xi was just taking it all in. We are owned by the Chinese. Our leader is thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly compromised. Uh... And we know the solution. You know what the solution is? 
this guy. Let's see here. And it sounds like this. This is what leadership sounds like, okay? Uh, cut 45. It was China's fault, and China's going to pay a big price what they've done to this country. China's going to pay a big price what they've done to the world. This was China's fault. And just remember that. And just remember that. That's leadership. The other stuff, I, I, I know President Xi, we were together for so long, and not calling him on the phone now. And by the way, who was the guy who asked, asked that question? Give me the first part of Cut 43 again. Cut 43. China's President Xi is coming to Russia. Yeah, that guy. Um, All right. So that's David Muir. And this is the big interview. Uh, last week, they, they played it on four separate nights. Okay. The big interview. David Muir sits down and asks what? A bunch of pre-authorized questions. When are one of these reporters going to ask him about the laptop? The laptop. He stood up and he lied about the laptop. And by the way, this damn thing came out after the COVID. I don't think we've gotten President Trump on the, I'm sorry, President Biden on COVID coming from that Wuhan lab. If you said that, you were a racist, you're a conspiracy theorist, you're a nut job. Well, no, you're just right. You're just correct. You were just correct before big tech. You were correct before big government. You were correct before big media. Anyway, uh, no one asked Joe the basic everybody wants to know questions. All right. Hey, what about that uh, COVID virus coming from the Wuhan lab? And oh, by the way, your hero Fauci, who you went out of out of the way to reappoint, give him a job. He was funding that stuff. He gave the Wuhan lab money. Oh, yes, he did. Well, I have not seen conclusive. You know what? They're never going to show up at your front door. Ring, ring, ring. Here's the documentation. Although, actually, you can go online and find the documentation. You can. They funneled it. They basically laundered the money. They didn't want to look like it was direct, but this is what happened. The National Institute of Health, they get big money to make grants all over the world, and they do. Hey, where the freaking hell is that in the Constitution? Show me where the National Institute of Health is in the Constitution. The swamp, totally out of control. All right, but back to this David Muir character. Uh, and democracy, democracy, democracy. So you got to remember this. David Muir sat with the president for like three hours and would not ask him about the laptop. Now, the laptop is not some fly-by-night issue, all right? It's not. I mean, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CBS News, they're all involved. They have all independently verified that the laptop is legitimate. Joe Biden is discussed in that laptop, okay? This is Joe. It's as much Joe's as it is Hunter's, quite frankly. But they don't ask. They don't ask. He can go out in public and not be. He's that protected. And listen to these fake news reporters. Look at how full of themselves they are. This is in May of 2018. David Muir, the one with the hair on Channel 7, the one with the hair and the tan and the manicure, right? It's one thing to be, have a hair, have hair and have the tan and have the manicure and just do that. Be a pretty boy. That's fine. Knock yourself out. But don't pretend you are some sort of guardian of democracy. And that's what they all do. Cut 38, please. Listen to this. Listen to this full-of-himself character talking about himself and what he does. Got 38. We're supposed to give people a voice all across this country. We're supposed to ask the questions that they demand. We ask every single night and every morning and all day long in this world of 24-7. We are the fourth estate, the important check on power that keeps this brilliant democracy going. Wow. Wow. That's really powerful, huh? We are the fourth estate, the check that keeps this brilliant democracy going. He really thinks he's important. 
Not only is he handsome, well-dressed, and a multimillionaire, but he's a protector of democracy. But he won't ask the question that we demand about the laptop, huh? How's that for democracy? It's all sick and corrupt. And Judy Woodruff, the other one. This is from PBS. Uh, she was on, uh, she interviewed Joe about two weeks ago. Uh, nothing about uh, the laptop. She barely mentioned the balloon. Awkward. Look, I, I kind of have to ask you about the balloon. Oh, I kind of have to ask you about the, the documents. Do you have anything to say about that? That's that's about as contentious as it got. But listen to Judy. Judy Woodruff. You've seen her before on the News Hour. It used to be, what was that? McNeil Lehrer. And then she showed up as the news reader. And now it's her show. Anyway, uh, Cut 39. Another one who thinks she's a... Talk about a legend in her own mind. Cut 39. We are journalists. We got into this work because we believe people have a right to know and we want to be part of making sure they do. Bear down. Hold those in power accountable. Don't be cowed. Be fair and be tough. Oh, wow. Huh? Is this good stuff or what? I mean, we got we got the goods on these people. Just It is fake. All right? That <laughs> it truly is fake news. And they are the phoniest Joe, please do me a favor. Call in. Let's go to the White House, actually. I know the number, 202-456-1414. We'll call it right after the break. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, I'm going to call the White House. Uh, I just got to set up the phone to do it so you can hear it. Uh, that'll be in about 10 minutes it's no big deal. You're, uh, it's a free country, and that phone number is available online. You can call it, and actually it's uh, 202-456-1414, 202-456-1414. Anyone's allowed to call the White House. It's our, Hey, that's our phone. We own it, and uh, we're allowed to call and, um, uh, you know, prefer everybody be polite, of course, but you can be polite and let them know that uh, we think Joe Biden should be impeached. And will that be or will he be resigning anytime soon? I think that's totally legitimate. Um, All right. So we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, But I do actually you know what I'm going to just do? I'm going to request I'm going to request an interview and they'll want to know the topic. And I'll say the topic is the laptop. Okay, I'm going to be upfront about the whole thing. Hey, uh, did you see the New York Post a uh, story about my dad, some maniac? Wanted Ray Kelly killed. Wanted his head chopped off. Yeah, I remember when this happened. It was in 2007. It was a big deal. And I guess there's some documentary, and it's going to be featuring this little episode of my dad's uh, storied career in law enforcement. This wasn't just some maniac who said, yeah, death to Ray Kelly. Uh, This guy had the means to make it happen. He had hundreds of thousands of dollars. He had $65,000 in cash that he wanted to give some guy to go find Ray Kelly and uh, chop his head off. Well, uh, fortunately, there was an undercover guy who thwarted the whole thing, and uh, but it was a real-world stuff. You know, kooks are all over the place, and they call in and they say dumb stuff. Usually, if you, it wasn't a death threat. That's the thing. You know, people who make death threats usually are, they just want to hear themselves talk. But people who hire people to kill people, they want somebody dead. Okay, so there's a big difference. So anyway, this was in the stu- newspaper. And my daughter is thumbing through the newspaper yesterday. She's three years old, and she's just going through the newspaper, and she sees somebody that she recognizes with a little help from her mother and her nanny. 
and it starts a very interesting conversation, uh, shall we? This is Annalise reading the New York Post. Go ahead. Wait, is Ray in the newspaper? Yeah. Stop. That's incredible. Yeah, and- he ca- she calls my father Ray. Ray Kelly. She doesn't call him Grandpa. She calls him by his first name. Keep going. I'm going airplane with her. With him? You're going on the airplane with Ray? Oh, pronouns. Yes, this one I'm going with Ray. Wow. I'm going to go airplane with this Ray. And where are you going with him? To see Mama. Where? From Florida. You're exactly right. It's true. Uh, they got plans. My dad is taking Annalise down on an airplane to see the grandmother, um, uh, my mother, my father's wife, uh, Mrs. Kelly. But uh, my daughter calls her Mama. And uh, it's Mama and Ray. Isn't that beautiful? She's reading the newspaper, kind of. Uh, needs a little bit of work on the pronouns, but I thought that was... Uh, that was great. So, yeah, this is a, a no-kidding thing. Some guy uh, wanted my dad's head chopped off. He is in—I think he's going to be in jail. He only got another six years on his sentence. He was already had, like, 15 years. They only gave him another six years for hiring somebody to try to chop off somebody's head. I think he deserved a bit more time than that. Um, when it happened, though, it was like a big heads-up for the family. You know, watch your back, watch out. This guy has a lot of friends. Anyway, they were messing with the wrong Marine, and he can think about it during those uh, 15 plus six years. Okay, there's the music. I'll be right back. Thank you. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. (laughs) What this is video? Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, going over to Ukraine. What the hell is she doing there? She's got to go as well. How much money? Uh, what's happening outside? Hold on. Uh, just traffic. Boy, these ambulances. Sometimes, half the time, I think they hit the lights and the siren just to uh, get through the traffic. Even when it's not bad, they're hitting the lights. I mean, I know there are sick people all over the place and heart attacks and things like that, but... Uh, that looked like a guy who was just wanted to uh, get to lunch or get back from lunch. I don't think that was a genuine administ- uh, emergency. Hey, Rose is in St. James. Hello, Rose. Hi, Greg. Uh, I'm calling for two reasons. One, I wanted to say thank you so much for coming out to the warehouse about almost two weeks ago. You were so nice to everyone, and it was really great to meet you. Well, thank you so much. I was a real pleasure. Loved it. The America First Warehouse. Really great people. Uh, Joey the Blanket, John the Box. Or is it John the Blanket and Joe the Box? I forgot. Those guys are amazing. What else? Yeah, they're great. The other thing I wanted to call and tell you, your show last night on Newsmax was one of your best. You were on fire. The way you laid out what they did to Peter Navarro, the phony uh, David Muir, like you said, the pretty boy who has no intelligence as a journalist. You did. You were great, and you even used a bad word. And I never hear you say that. <laughs> oh, wait, I did. Never hear you talk like oh, that. Oh, you mean with a B word? Yes, you said a bad word. But you know what? You were on fire. I, I totally felt it. And and the last thing I wanted to tell you is, wow, you were so gracious to. I think his name is Vivek 
Ramswani. Yeah. You, you really let him lay out his platform, even though we both know it's Trump all the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I like him. And uh, I though I tried to. Yeah. Look, who are you? What's the deal here? Let's find out a little bit more. The one thing I'll say about him, if I were advising him, every answer, he's not at all conversational. Like every everything is a speech. You know what I mean? Every time he says something, it's like he's speaking from the mountaintop. I kind of want to tell him to lighten up a little bit. I like him a lot. I think he's good. He's obviously a great communicator. People ask me about him all the time. But do you know what I mean about the, uh, you know, he's always speaking from the mountaintop? 100%. And, you know, when I when I closed the tele- uh, shut the television off, my thought was this. I don't want to vote for the guy with potential. I want to vote for the guy who did it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. Hey, by the way, you saw the David Muir clip and you saw the Judy Woodruff clip. And let me just play it one more time for everybody else. The phony. Remember, this woman, this woman, Judy Woodruff, does not have the nerve to ask, uh, doesn't have the nerve, doesn't have the curiosity, doesn't have the interest to ask about a major issue, the, 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 the laptop. I mean, it's a major issue in two ways. Number one, it's legitimate, which we know. And if it wasn't, it's Russia disinformation. That's a big deal. 51 intelligence officials weighed in. I mean, when is somebody going to ask this? So Judy Woodruff, this is how she portrays herself. She would not ask the question. She wouldn't ask one tough question of Joe Biden. Just a just a sycophant like the rest of them. And this is how she sees herself and her profession. Cut 39. We, we are journalists. We got into this work because we believe people have a right to know, and we want to be part of making sure they do. Bear down. Hold those in power accountable. Don't be cowed. Be fair and be tough. Be fair and be tough. So I think that's just – and by the way, what makes you so good at holding people accountable there, uh, uh, Judy? You, you don't. You're, you're selective. You play favorites. You're not pursuing the truth. You play games with the truth. You hide the truth. And the, But the, she thinks – they think they're so special. Here's the other one you mentioned, David Muir. Listen to how important he thinks he is and his fellow journalists are. Cut 38. We're supposed to give – people a voice all across this country. We're supposed to ask the questions that they demand. We ask every single night and every morning and all day long in this world of 24-7. We are the fourth estate, the important check on power that keeps this brilliant democracy going. Wow, the fourth. So my question to you, Rose, and the more I listen to that, the more infuriated and amused I get at the same time. I think I want to play that almost every night. I mean, I'm sorry, but the the hypocrisy, the pomposity, if that's a word, of it all. Do you know what I mean? Do you think it's going to get old if I show it again tonight? Well, well, Greg, I just want to add to that. Last night when you had that really nice guy on, Vivek, you asked him, how did you get your money? Can we prove this? What, what were those medicines that, that, you, um, that the FDA approved? I really like how you were acting as a journalist. Like, tell us about you. Give us the facts. How did you do this? Where did you get your money from? You actually conducted a journalist interview with somebody who says they want to be the president. David Muir and that and that other woman, they're shameful. They, they should be ashamed of themselves. They're not real journalists. And you know what? Thank you for that, by the way. And you can ask these questions without being a jerk. They seem to think like, you know, when they decide, OK, I'm going to be aggressive here. I mean, they go they they just if it's some Republican and they're they're totally authorized, they have permission to try to destroy the guy. 
they're so jerky about it. You know, they're, they, you don't have to be you don't have to be a jerk to anybody. I can ask Joe Biden with a big smile on my face. Hey, Joe, come on now. Look, this laptop. <laughs> let's let's get real here. <laughs> this is bad. I mean, you could actually you don't have to be a jerk. And uh, so anyway, Rose, I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, keep an eye on Vivek. Yes, we offer Trump, but uh, Vivek, who knows? He could be in the cabinet someday. He says he's not interested, but we'll see. Thank you, Rose, very, very much. Ah, uh, all right, one more. Susan in upstate. Oh, well, all the way up there. I know. Uh, yeah. Uh, Susan, hi. Hi. Yeah, I saw your show last night, too. It was great. But um, I'm really focusing on and I um, and I heard Dick Morris actually. speak. I know. I know. I know the who the who I'm not. I'm a, I'm a little bit behind the power curve on this story. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. International. Well, where I know. It's All right. Right yeah. now. I know. Me, too. It's the international. It, there's um, it's an, they're really talking a lot about the pandemic treaty. But the yeah. real issue in a nutshell mm-hmm. is the. Um, International health regulations, that is international law. And the amendments to that, which um, the delegates are voting, and then something came out, this is just to my understanding, that it's already been approved and that um, the big, the worst part of this would be that we would become a digital surveillance state that they will be. And I'm wondering if these spy balloons were just getting information so that they can monitor us well, and they can enforce these um, mandates, which are widespread. So to really find out because we have to at least uh, it's all being done secretively. So we can't. They're not reporting to us. And um, this is urgent. We already live in a digital surveillance state, I'll tell you that. I mean, you go outside, your pictures, you have no expectation of privacy anywhere you go, anywhere, anywhere. Uh, they they know everything. It's what, it's what they do and who has access to that information. That's our only hope. Make sure they don't use it against us. But everything's under surveillance, everything. All right, you're right. Thanks for reminding me. WHO, I, I am a little bit... Uh, I can't tell how much of this is real, how much not. I do love that Donald Trump, when he came, became president, he said it out loud. He said, you know, I become president, the WHO, World Health. It sounds marvelous. Wow, that's great. Who? And he said, what do I know? I'm, I just became the president. World Health Organization sounds great, but they make all kinds of mistakes, and they're communists. They protect, they protect China. Speaking of which, do you think this is racist at all? It's not, but it's it's kind of amazing how they just nailed him with this repeatedly. Where is it? Where is he saying the China virus, the China virus? I'll get back to that. Listen, I have to say something about the conservative media now. I just hit the, the liberal media, Martha Raddatz, uh, Judy Woodruff, uh, who's the other one, David Muir, and the rest. Conservative media sucks, too, quite frankly. It really does. Major exceptions. Newsmax is great, of course. Epic Times, I don't know if they call themselves conservative, but they're fantastic. Uh, but here's Martha McCallum on Fox News. I was, I, I really was surprised. First, she makes a legitimate point about COVID, one that we all share. Now that it came from the lab, now that it's beyond a shadow of a doubt, it came from that silly lab, that silly sloppy lab. That, that guy said, pretty good line. Uh, listen to Cut 40. Um, you know, I don't expect a lot of apologies, Governor Huckabee, uh, to these scientists and to people like Dr. Redfield who said a long time ago on this program and a few others that it was clear to him that when you looked at the virus closely, that it was man-made. And this is, this is important because we need to understand what happened to the country and what happened to the world. 
Yeah, damn right. I agree there, Martha. So five minutes later, guess who shows up? Uh, Kirby, uh, John Kirby. He is the spokesman for the National Security Council. He works at the White House, okay? This is the guy they bring in. They needed a heavy hitter to take over for Karine Jean-Pierre, who doesn't know what she's doing, all right? So this is the guy you ask when you have questions of the administration, especially national security matters, all right? So five, she wants apologies and she wants answers because it affected the country and the world. And what does she do when this guy shows up, huh? Listen to this, cut 41. John Kirby, National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic, uh, Strategic, Strategic, she said, Communications. John, thank you very much. Good to have you here today. Thanks, Thanks for Thanks, Good to be with you. So- All right, everybody comfortable now? Okay, everybody, yeah, welcome. Thanks, thanks. Good to be with you. And then she's going to hit him with uh, the Ukraine. Uh, the, she's going to hit him about this, right? Find out about the China uh, virus and the lab and everything like that. The Department of Energy released a report, or at least the Wall Street Journal got its hands on a report that said... The virus came from the Wuhan lab, the actual official laboratory, the Institute of Vi- Virology. You got to hit them with this because, look, China could have done this on purpose. And maybe they're going to come at us again. You know what they talk about for the next 10 minutes? Ukraine. <laughs> the thing that, quite frankly, most people are not talking about, especially yesterday. I know. I know it's going on, but we're not talking about it. Yesterday we were talking about the COVID virus. So not one question about the uh, the Wuhan lab and the story that everybody was talking about is all about Ukraine because that's what Mr. Kirby wanted to talk about. And then when they were all done, it was, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they kissed goodbye. Cut 42. And we don't want to we don't want to see them uh, move in that direction. OK, uh, John Kirby, thank you very much. Always My good pleasure. to have you with us, sir. Thanks, good to see you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What the hell was that all about? Why is everybody, why are they kissing each other's ass so much, huh? What? <laughs> because it's a great big favor bank, all right? You, uh, uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, something along those lines. One hand washes the other, both hands wash the face. It's uh, go along and get along, okay? Mr. Kirby will be back on the show on Thursday because you treated them so nice on Monday. That's the way it works. The questions that we're demanding answers to, no, you don't ask those because you want access. You want Kirby to show up because guess what? Most of these nitwits on television, they have nothing to say unless they have these talking heads to throw to, to talk to. They, they've got nothing to offer, no insight, nothing, zero. They have no life experience, nothing, certainly not more valuable than yours. All right? They go from one TV station to the next TV station. Look at me, look at me, look at me. These newspaper reporters, you you heard what they think of themselves, that somehow they're the check. They're the check on democracy. How did, how, David Muir, one more time. I got to this is unbelievable. This has got to be the Rosetta Stone of arrogance. Cut 38. We're supposed to give people a voice all across this country. We're supposed to ask the questions that they demand. We ask every single night and every morning and all day long in this world of 24-7. We are the fourth estate, the important check on power that keeps this brilliant democracy going. Yes, yes, yes. Isn't that right, Martha McCallum? Isn't that right? Got 42. And we don't want to, we don't want to see them uh, move in that direction. Okay. Uh, John Kirby, thank you very much. Always My good pleasure. to have you with us, sir. Thanks, good to Martha. see you. Hey, thank what you about those pleasure. questions we're demanding the answers to? What? <laughs> no, no. Hey, and where does, when does Peter Navarro get his apology? Peter Navarro, senior advisor to Donald Trump. You know, they threw this guy in jail. 
They actually threw him in jail. It's very hard to get a hold of. He's got a huge amount of legal trouble right now. Huge amount of legal trouble. The guy did nothing wrong. And now, one of the things that kind of screwed him over in the swamp is when he shared the truth with us. He didn't have to wait three years until the Department of Energy said it was okay. He knew it. He's in the epicenter of it all. Any level with the American people. Peter Navarro, senior advisor to President Trump. I believe his specialty was trade affairs. Uh, but he, since he's such a mega genius, they had him doing a lot. Listen to this. He's on MSNBC trying to trying to tell the American people what's what, and they won't let him. Cut 27. I want everybody right here today, as, uh, the day before America's Independence Day, to understand where this virus started. It was the Chinese Communist Party that is making us stay locked in our homes and lose our jobs. They spawned the virus. They hid the virus. They sent hundreds of thousands of Chinese nationals over here to seed and spread the so, virus before we knew. And, 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 Peter, and my point is simply what are the, that— where are the- Yep, they start getting very excited about that. You can't talk about the Chinese Communist Party like that. Oh, yes, he can. Cut 28, please. So, uh, uh, the, the dateline is November. They spawned the virus, probably came out of the biological lab. For two months, they hid the virus from the world and the possibility of a pandemic behind the shield of the World Health Organization. While they did that, they vacuumed up the world's protective equipment, including two billion masks. And uh, so you're saying this is deliberate. You're, you're saying the Chinese deliberately did this? Yep, and then they said for saying that, you are a maniac, right? They literally had, oh, he's bonkers, he's nuts, he's totally crazy. Headline after headline after headline. And then they'd say it out loud. Cut uh, 33, please. The lab leak theory is complete rubbish. Uh, Stay away from it. This question about the Wuhan lab, we know that it's been debunked that this virus was man-made or modified or anything like that. None of the facts matter here because they like that phrase escape from the lab so much in China. And so the Trump administration is so desperately grasping at straws, trying to find someone to blame. They don't even seem to understand what they themselves are saying. How is it that they can look themselves in the mirror? How is it that they can look their viewers in the eye? That was uh, Sanjay Gupta, Chris Hayes, and that other one, Casey, Casey Hunt, who's always running around being a pain in the, yeah, the the three of them. They're always wrong, always, always, always. Now, the pro- why do I, why do we mention them? They are the dominant media. They are the, they are setting the agenda. The needle moves when they push it. It's that, and we got to figure out a way to push that damn thing back more effectively. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. A big shocking headline, especially to me and maybe our next guest in the New York Post yesterday, uh, how an undercover cop foiled plot to assassinate ex-NYPD Commissioner Ray Kelly. Ray Kelly, Police Commissioner in New York City, twice, two years under Dinkins, then 12 years under Mike Bloomberg. That's a long time. Top cop, extremely popular, oh, by the way, when he left office, 75% public approval rating. Uh, except this one guy did not like you. Ray Kelly joins us. Uh, <laughs> good to have you here. Uh, was this a close call or what? I don't think it was a close call. I think the uh, obviously the undercover did a did a great job, but we had information on this individual. He, uh, you know, normally 
I say normally, but you do get the death threats. But usually they're hang-up phone calls, and uh, you know they just go out into the the ether. Nobody's giving their name, and they're usually calling from uh, you know a phone that you you can't trace or a burner phone, that sort of thing. But this was different because of the specificity of it, the uh, and, and the fact that he was violent, and the fact that he had money. And you know we weren't exactly certain if he was talking to anybody else. Uh, as well as uh, ultimately the undercover. So it was, it was a good job, but I, I always thought that, uh, you know, it wasn't going to ultimately come to fruition because of the, you know, the size, the protection capacity of, uh, you know, of the police department. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it does give you pause for thought. Well, it's going to be in the new A&E docuseries, a big documentary about uh, these these adventures, and you had a lot of them. Uh, let's see here. The man who wanted you dead is, uh, let's see, a man named Brown. He's 47 years old, a convicted Brooklyn felon. Um, did you ever uh, did you ever cross paths with this guy? What was his beef with you? Well, this was uh, in the aftermath of the Sean Bell uh, shooting. He was, he was shot by uh, police officers. He was unarmed. This happened in, I think, November of 2006, and this case came forward in 2007. Um, I think he was, uh, among other things, the, some of the quotes were in the paper, but he, you know, there was a delay in getting information as to as to what happened, as there always is. So I think he was unhappy with the the, the delay the delay in the investigation, but. Uh, you know, these kinds of things, in, in that job, things come at you from all directions. So, you know, nothing is ever totally unexpected. You expect the unexpected. Ex- okay. Well, the guy, position. the guy had uh, uh, several hundred thousand dollars to uh, to play with, and that's, I guess, what made it what made it different. Hey, look, I mean, there are always going to be, um, from time to time, there are going to be cops make mistakes. That happens. But I think it's interesting. Your tenure, halfway into your tenure, 2007, the cell phone becomes ubiquitous. Everybody has a cell phone. Everybody suddenly has a camera in their phone. Go try to find the viral police beatings uh, under Ray Kelly, Mike Bloomberg's uh, reign. You really won't find any. It's kind of fascinating. You know, everything goes viral these days. um, But... There's a, a particular paucity, if that's the word, of, of viral videos showing uh, police misconduct while you were police commissioner. You ever notice that? Well, I'm thankful for it. I was grateful for it. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of factors that uh, bring that about. But uh, certainly, if you can avoid those sorts of things, uh, you'd be much better off. But in a city the size of New York, at the size of the police department, you're going to have uh, untoward incidents. There's no no question about it. So you have to uh, get the facts. You have to put out what you know and also what you don't know as quickly as possible, and then you let the system take over. But as I say, a lot of people, uh, when something uh, unfortunate happens, a lot of people are upset because it takes so much time. And You know, you don't have the facts. You have to follow a due process. Uh, system that that we have, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we were we were. Uh, 
uh, thankful and appreciative that uh, there was no major incident uh, that uh, took place on our watch. Ray Kelly, what do you think is happening right now? Uh, in, it's in the air. There's a tension in the air. It's it's palpable. It's just in, in a little while ago, I saw a viral video from St. Louis and it's in the middle of the day. And there's a guy sitting on the sidewalk and a man is kind of casually loading his weapon, standing right next to the guy and then shoots him in the head in the middle of the day. Um, I don't want to sound like an old timer myself, but I mean, we didn't see this kind of stuff. Uh, I, I, I don't I think it's safe to say this is a, a new kind and a new wave of violence in America. What do you think? What, why is this happening? Well, I think there's no question that the uh, killing of George Floyd was a major game changer. Uh, It showed to a lot of people, incorrectly, but it showed that, aha, this is what happens behind the scenes. This is how cops really treat people. And as you know, there were over 300 demonstrations throughout the country, many of them quite violent. Uh, in the immediate aftermath of uh, of George Floyd, so there there was a, I think there is a uh, aggressiveness that was was uh, spawned by George Floyd that is still very much uh, very much around. Uh, you can see it with, uh, and I can anyway, almost people on the street or people who appear to be mentally deranged. They they seem to me to be a lot more aggressive now than. They have been in the past. And uh, George Floyd probably, his killing probably set law enforcement back uh, 30 years in the the United States. We're we're paying the price for that in many different ways. You know, um, it's such an overreaction. It was a collective overreaction. And then the media, the way they sanctified the reaction and overlooked or sometimes glorified the the violence. George Floyd, there's a lot about that case that people don't know. And oh, by the way, it happens to be in my book, parenthetically. George Floyd, uh, if you miss him, you can look him up. He, uh, he's in, he's, he starred in a couple of pornographic uh, uh, sequences online. Um, but that's, uh, I actually address that in my book. Oh, speaking of which, Sunday, March 5th, I will be at the Queens Republican Club uh, at the American Legion Hall, that's in Whitestone, at Sunday, March 5th. And if you bring my, my book, it's your book, but if you buy it, well, my book, if you buy it, it's your book, you can bring it, and um, I'll sign it for you. Uh, Ray Kelly, uh, I don't know if you realize this, but your granddaughter, Annalise, was reading the newspaper and saw your picture relating to this story. Now, fortunately, she's too young to understand the gravity of the story. <laughs> but but she she certainly she certainly uh, recognized you and uh, we have that moment already. Let's go ahead. Can we play that, please? Thank you. <laughs> oh, who is he? Who is aquí? Who is aquí? Ray, mommy, oh. I'm going to I'm going an airplane with this Ray. Wait, is Ray in the newspaper? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, and I'm going to airplane with her. With him? You're going on the airplane with Ray? Yes, this one I'm going with Ray. Wow. I'm going to go airplane with this Ray. And where are you going with him? <laughs> to see Mama. 
Where? From Florida. You're exactly right. <laughs> All right, now a couple of things here. Some of this was news to me. I didn't know she had any field trip to Florida planned. Ray Kelly, of course, is back and forth between Florida and New York. Has a lot going on in both locations. But uh, I guess we have a bit of a new age family. Uh, the, the Your granddaughter refers to you not as grandpa, but as Ray. <laughs> I must have played that video 30 times. Uh, I love it. She is so cute, so smart. And, uh, well, anyway, she's a, <laughs> she has great, great parents. That's why. <laughs> well, she'll be getting on a plane with Ray, uh, with Ray Kelly. Uh, the arrangements have been made, and uh, you're taking her down to see uh, Grandma, also known as Mema. Uh, that, should be, that should be something else. So, you know, you said a moment ago we've been set back 30 years. Law enforcement has been set back 30 years, which is— just heartbreaking. You know, I like to say this about de Blasio. I say it in the book. You know, first de Blasio, he pretended the NYPD was broken. And then he pretended to fix what wasn't broken. And now he's actually managed to break it. In the end, he actually managed to break the NYPD. And for what I'm hearing, the, uh, it's, well, it's night and day. What is the way forward? Thirty, I, we I, we don't want to wait thirty years for this to get back on track. Is there a way forward? I I don't see it in the uh, in the short term. I don't see things changing significantly. Uh, <clears throat> police officers have been put on their back foot. They are reluctant to take uh, action, or certainly reluctant to engage in the proactive measures that have significant reduced crime in the past. So uh, I wish this were not so. Uh, I love the city, but I don't see it, it, it changing significantly for for a while. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, well, yikes. That's, uh, that's bad news. All right. Well, uh, cheer us up a little bit. Uh, what is the – tell us about a time, if you don't mind – my father has a million uh, police stories, and uh, when we were young, we'd beg him for a police story. Tell us a police story. Tell us a police story. And he had a thousand of them, and uh, tell us some interesting story. Tell us a story um, where, let me think, didn't you once come upon a woman and you had to tie a tourniquet at, right after she was stabbed? The one near uh, no, uh, yeah, NY, NYU Law School? Yeah, well, you got a good memory, but that was when I was actually in the police academy, and we were on patrol at that time. It was about four o'clock in the morning, and we were assigned uh, in Venice Village. And uh, two men were walking down the street. They didn't see me. I was in the doorway. I was in uniform, but I was in the doorway. And uh, they, uh, the woman was shot with a shotgun. And the question is whether or not it was intentionally done or it was an accident, but I, uh, you know, I was able to be right there. I jumped over her and got the two guys, and we put a tourniquet on her, uh, on her leg. She was shot with birdshot, which is the smallest kind of uh, shotgun pellet. Uh, but she was seriously, uh, seriously injured. But that was the first uh, encounter that I uh, that I had with the crime that happened right in front of me. As I say, I was still in the still in the police academy. But uh, you got a good memory. Wow. <laughs> it's, uh, 
Well, I mean, it's kind of a wild story. I, and I actually, to this day, I hear about tourniquets. You know, you got to put a tourniquet on. I wouldn't know how to do that. How do you know? How, well, where did you learn how to do a tourniquet? Did they do that in the police academy? A tourniquet where you, you see bleeding, it's basically like a glorified Band-Aid. It's a heavy-duty band. You, you tie a knot to stop the bleeding. How did you learn how to do that? Well, I learned it in the Marine Corps. I had been in Vietnam, and uh, I, I was trained for that type of thing. So it was, uh, at that time, second nature to me. I had only been out of uh, off active duty for uh, less than a year. Wow. Wow. All right. One more story. This one's going to be an upbeat oh, no, story. No, no, Come on. Come on. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll let you go this time. Uh, Ray Kelly, longest serving police commissioner in New York City history. Uh, we so appreciate it. And uh, you and Annalise will be going on a trip very, very soon. Thank you, Dad. Okay, pal. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. And uh, we'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Greg Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Have you seen anything at this point that gives you a high degree of confidence that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was the origin of this virus? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Yes, yes, I have. President Trump, as president, uh, telling us, because he trusted us, he had respect for us, that this thing came from the Wuhan lab. Um, the, the fake news never gave him credit for, hey, he's the president of the United States. Maybe he has access to information. We don't. You know, they would always say, President Trump said without evidence that it came from the Wuhan lab. You know, <laughs> he's the president of the United States. They could never... They could never get their head around that for some reason. They also could never get their head around um, that he has a lot to offer, had a lot to offer the country, has a lot to offer the country. Oh, by the way, you know, you got to go looking for it sometimes. I really hope he gets back on on Twitter and starts kind of posting like he used to. I like Truth Social, but it's not the same. And it doesn't, it just, I don't know, it just hasn't taken off yet. And I don't know if it ever will. I hope it does. But in the meantime, you know, he's on Rumble and a couple of other platforms. And uh, I think he should go to the others as well, especially as more and more people. Is DeSantis really going to do this? (laughs) I don't think he should. I don't think he should. But here's Trump. This is how we should be talking about China. Take notes, Joe Biden. Cut 50. As a matter of both economic and national security, I will implement a bold series of reforms to completely eliminate dependence on China in all critical areas. We will revoke China's most favored nation trade status and adopt a four-year plan to phase out all Chinese imports of essential goods, everything from electronics to steel to pharmaceuticals. This will include strong protections to ensure China cannot circumvent restrictions by passing goods through conduit countries Countries that don't make a product, but all of a sudden they're selling a lot of product. It comes right through China, right out of China, and right into our country. Great stuff. Great stuff. And um, Biden is a pushover compared to Trump. Total pushover, period. You know, I think that the Chinese released the, the virus in part to get Trump. They wanted to get Trump. They'd rather be dealing with a pushover that they had the goods on. They've got dirt on Joe Biden. They wanted uh, Trump out, and now they got their own Manchurian candidate, a guy they control. That's what it looks like to me. Sorry. All right, I got to get across the street here in a moment. Let's just go through these real quick. John in Staten Island, yeah. 
Hey, Greg, corruption falls to place with the media and the president. Say what? Corruption falls into place with the media and the president. All right. Thank you. Uh, let's try Max in Manhattan. Max. Greg, thank you for taking my call. Um, let's not forget where the uh, vaccines were also made in the uh, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Um, I'd like to hear more of your Clinton and Trump imitations. And let's not forget Jeff Younger, who's trying to get his kids back from being castrated. Okay. Thank you, Max. Uh, Maria in Short Hills. Maria. Uh, hi, Greg. Uh, a little while ago, you said, what the hell was Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen doing in the Ukraine? Yeah. You know what she was doing? She was handing over a check to them of $1.5 billion, and she made it a point to say this is only the first of many. That's <laughs> just too much. I Do mean, you my believe God. it? I, and, and there's so much money flowing around that country. You know, it's not. <laughs> and they're taking golden crumb cakes, I believe, for themselves. Maria, thank you for that. I will follow up tonight. Uh, I got to go to Barbara now in Huntington. Hi there, Barbara. Hi, Greg. I, I think that what we are seeing... We got the problem with the phone line again. I can't stand this. Barbara, hold on. Give that special number a call. All right? Call that special number, and we're going to try Pete in Long Branch. Pete. Yeah, hi, Colonel Kelly. It's good to talk to you. Enjoy your show. Um, I just had an idea for a, um, a, a logo for uh, President Trump's campaign, and not to take over the maggot hats, but it might make, um, be able to make it on a maggot on a red hat. What? Okay, made in USA, and bigger and bolder. Forty-five. He's forty-fifth president. Four twenty-four. 45 for 24, and underneath that, fits all. Mm, I don't know, Pete. I think they just stick with the classic Make America Great Again. What do you think? Made America Great yeah. you got a lot of numbers and me- competing messages on that ad. I think it's a little bit too busy. How about just uh, 45 for 24? 45 for 24. If you want to put that on a hat, if you want to put that on a hat, it seems like a riddle to me. I, you know what I mean? 45 for 24. I don't like the numbers. I like Trump for president. Just say it straight. But, Pete, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks, man. And I think, unfortunately, yeah, we got that damn scratchy line whenever Barbara calls. We'll fix that. Barbara, I'm sorry. We are out of time. I am going to depart the premises uh, thank you. And tonight, oh, who's going to be on tonight? Lara Trump or Laura Trump, daughter-in-law of President Trump and uh, a lot of other things in the works. So many thanks. Hey, February is gone. Did I tell you I'm back on track? I'm running again. I ran 70 miles in February. That's more miles than I've run in two and a half years in one month. 70 miles. And next month, I'll do more. Those are slow poke miles, to be sure. But... Uh, Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. It's a beautiful little tidbit from Dr. Peterson. See you later. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, I forgot to call the White House. Let's call him right now. Let's see here. One, two, oh, two. Hold on. Oh, uh, 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 four, five, six, one, four, one, four. Let's see if this is the way. Hold on. For quality and training purposes, this call.
call may be monitored but will not be recorded. Ooh, I'm recording it. Let's see here. How many rings will it take? White House. Uh, hi, could I speak to the press office, please? And who are you with, sir? Uh, WABC in New York. Hello? Hello? White House press office. Hey, how are you? I wanted to see if I can put an interview request in with the uh, president. It's Greg Kelly with WABC. Um, so to put in your inquiry, you would send an email to our press inbox? Uh, okay. That sounds like it's like a general box for everybody. Oh, boy. It sounds like I'm going to get the runaround. Does anybody actually read that stuff? Yes. Can you just take my request right now? Um, I wouldn't be able to um, because we need to have the email so then it will be forwarded should I, on should to I, the appropriate person. What's your name? I'm just a press assistant in lower press. Okay, no name, huh? All right. Uh, all right. So what's that email box? It's press. Press. P-R-E-S-S. Uh-huh. W-H-O. Dot E-O-P dot gov? Yes. Oh, brother. This ain't going to see the light of day. All right, tell you what. Let me talk to Kareen Jean-Pierre. Is she available? Um, I'm sorry. She's not. All right. Can I leave you my number? Um, You can, but I would have... Like no ability to pass that on. How, well, so okay. Now, 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 all right. Just, just no, no, no. All right, all right. This is a little bit ridiculous. You can't even take a message Ma'am, yet. Yet, yet you're, yet you're actually, you're taking. I, I bet you take a paycheck, right? Ma'am, it's not a man. Um, what are you call? Are you talking to me? Okay, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Yes. But one thing you called here, and you said you with the press to call the press office. You were connected. You do not disrespect the press office. Oh wait, who? Oh, I'm being monitored. Oh, There's somebody's monitoring. Oh wait, what? What? Talk about censorship. They wouldn't even introduce themselves. How about that one? Well, they say they didn't record it. We recorded it, didn't we? All right, let's go ahead and turn that around. I don't think I was disrespectful. I got a little bit frustrated. Hey. It's a little bit frustrating when somebody on the public payroll, uh, that's we are paying that person's salary. They wouldn't even give me their first name, and they couldn't even take they couldn't even take a message. Why are they answering the phone? How about that? And oh, by the way, it was being monitored. I guess they did say it was going to be monitored, but someone's going to just someone's just going to jump in. So, oh wow, how do we feel about that? Well, I guess I have to email press at who.eop.gov. I didn't think I was being disrespectful at all. Tommy, what did you think? Did you hear that exchange? Hello? Hello. Yes, hi. Hi. Did you hear what I said to the White House? Yes, very nice, very nice. <laughs> I just can't believe they wouldn't even give me the, 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 the runaround right off the bat, you know? It's, Send it to the general mailbox. It's a government agency. What do you expect? It's a government agency. They won't take they, they, the, the what is Karine Jean Pierre? Is she the queen? Is she some sort of queen? She can they, like we, you can't uh, you can't. She's right there. I've been in the lower press office. You know what? It's right next to the upper press office. It's like six feet away. Anyway, Tommy, what's up? 
Uh, I, I'm calling because, just to remind you, I, I'm the one that suggested that uh, uh, Pete Buttigieg looks like Alfred E. Newman. Uh, you're you not the only no- one. Yeah, number one, President Trump is the first one who came up with that. Number two, unfortunately, nobody really remembers Alfred E. Newman uh, from Mad Men. I mean, uh, and, and so what about it, though? His byline, Alfred E. Newman's byline back then was, want me worry. And that fits so strongly with what Buttigieg did with this uh, Palestine uh, train derailment. Want me worried. I'd like to see you on your show tonight. Put that picture of him. I I, I don't don't want to do that because uh, it doesn't look like. Look, this speaks to you, Tommy. It doesn't speak to me. It just doesn't. I mean, Alfred E. Newman and Pete Buttigieg don't resent. And I got to tell you, Alfred E. Newman and Mad Magazine, I could never figure out what that was. Is it a comic book? Is it funny? Is it spooky? Is it scary? I never liked that, except for the fold-out at the end. I kind of like that. But, Tommy, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not going to do that for you. But I hope you watch. What me worry. All right, got you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What me worry. It just doesn't seem, it doesn't register with me. It doesn't resonate. Um what does resonate is making these calls to government agencies. That's fun. We should do more of that. Um, hey, and also, you know what I should have done? Make sure that Peter Navarro gets his apology. Uh, Peter Navarro, everything he said. And this was a beautiful message that he had. Listen to this. Cut 32, please. Cut 32. Peter Navarro. This is the summer of 2020. He's just trying to speak the truth to the people, and they... And they branded him a nut job for this, but he was right and everybody else was wrong. Cut 32. I'm tired of the American people turning against themselves in a house divided, making science partisan and not blaming the Chinese Communist Party for killing Americans, for putting us out of work and destroying trillions of dollars of our wealth. And I think that's a message that that should be carried to the MSNBC audience. Don't you think? Isn't that great? But no, they said that he was a madman and everybody who espoused the theory that this thing came from the lab must be, well, must be a racist. Must And unfortunately, there were some other things. All right, if you want to debate the thing about the lab, fine. But shouldn't we at least be able to talk about hydroxychloroquine? Remember that? Hydroxychloroquine. They made it sound like it was like this new experimental wacko drug. The military gave me hydroxychloroquine. They absolutely positively gave me hydroxychloroquine when I was in the military. It's not a big deal. It's been around for 100 years. Cut 31. Uh, On the media, basically, is is to focus all the negative energy at Donald J. Trump. The two things I want to share with your audience today is that the Chinese Communist Party is responsible for every bad thing we're experiencing right now. And number two, hydroxychloroquine needs a second look because, Ali, if, if people in early treatment were taking this drug under the supervision of their physician, we have the potential to save tens of thousands of American lives. Yeah, tens of thousands, maybe even millions of American lives. And after this interview, they jumped all over him. They used words like bonkers, lunatic, raving old white man. I saw that one. And they hounded this guy. And, oh, by the way, he had to spend a few hours in jail at, at one point. And listen to the, the mockery and the, the disparagement of those who dared go against the preferred narrative, the preferred get Trump narrative, cut 34. President Trump is pushing a conspiracy theory again that coronavirus began in a lab in China. 
They say the lab leak is nothing but a smear campaign, a, con a conspiracy theory propelled by prejudice and political need. There is also no reason to believe any of these conspiracy theories that it was leaked from the lab. Why were they so invested in pushing back on the truth? And by the way, what did some of those people even know? They're sitting in New York, Washington, D.C. Why are they so passionate on either side? Whatever happened to having an open mind in the media, right? You don't know. I mean, you went into the media because you knew everything. I, I thought you went into the media because you were kind of curious. You wanted to know about other stuff, stuff outside your life, stuff outside the lives of your viewers, your audience. But no, they have all the answers. They have all the answers, including, oh, by the way, that uh, <laughs> uh, it's racist, racist, right? It was always racist to call it what? The China virus. Nothing at all racist about calling a disease for the place where it came from. It's basically what you do with every disease. The West Nile virus, the West Nile River, uh, the Ebola virus. Remember that? That's the Ebola River. I think it's in Uganda. Uh, let's see. There's the Spanish flu from Spain. Lyme disease. You know where that came from? Lyme, Connecticut. L-Y-M-E, Connecticut. Not in, so when you call it the, the China virus, that's totally fine. And... Also, very traditional. Cut 36. I would like to begin uh, by announcing some important developments in our war against the Chinese virus. That name gets further and further away from China as opposed to calling it the Chinese virus. Once again engaged in a great global struggle. We have waged a fierce battle against the invisible enemy, the China virus. Is there a problem with that? <laughs> what was the problem? But they said he was a racist. Oh, my gosh. The worst thing in the world. And that somehow that that was responsible for anti-Asian hate. Well, if you look at the numbers on the anti-Asian attacks, which, oh, by the way, are very, very real to this day. All right. You see what's going on there. You get back to me about the demographics and the motivations and who's pulling off those attacks. OK. Hmm. You catch my drift on that one? Uh, oh, and here's this guy, Jake Sullivan. Ooh, the cl most clueless guy in all of government. Well, actually, more on him in a moment. We have got to be on the alert about this anti-Semitism stuff. Anti-Semitism. You know, you know where America comes down on anti-Semitism? It used to be this way. I don't care what your ideology is, if you're conservative, if you're liberal. All of America, at one point, hated despised anything remotely anti-Semitic, anything remotely Nazi. You know, the great, I think one of the great moments in cinematic history is the Blues Brothers with John Belushi and uh, Dan Aykroyd, right? And they're putting the band back together because they're on a mission from God. Remember that? And they're driving all over Illinois looking for, you know, that guy, uh, Bones Malone and the rest of the band. And they come across, they're delayed, they get in traffic because the Illinois Nazis won their court case. And they're marching around and, and pulling off, saying all this horrible anti-Semitic stuff. Anyway, um, they all they know is they're in a traffic jam, Jake and Elwood. And they ask the cop, hey, what's going on? What's the holdup? So some of those stupid Nazis won their court case. What? Yeah, the Illinois Nazi party. They're protesting up there. And Jake... <laughs> says to Elwood, Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. And they put the car in like 10th gear. 
and they drive and they head right at those Illinois Nazis and they all jump into the river. It was a beautiful scene and all the Illinois Nazis look ridiculous because they are ridiculous. And that's America. America does not like Nazis, right? We don't. But what the hell is going on in South Florida? What is this all about? Uh, This is cut 47, please. Cut 47. You hear this? You hear this violent? Uh, it's it's so crazy, offensive, dangerous, stupid, and they're saying it in broad daylight. These guys apparently they were in California. Now they moved to uh, South Florida. Don't let anybody try to convince you that this is anything to do with MAGA or anything like that. No, it. This is pure hate. We condemn it completely, and it must be totally, totally chased out of the public square. This is. I just. You know, the, the, you heard never again, never again. Well, it starts now, never again. You got to, we got to stop, nip this crap in the bud. This is very dangerous stuff. Wherever, wherever you see it, it must be uh, combated full on. I uh, I was in shock. You see this, you see this stuff in the movies, but in real life, hey, Mark Levin on the nighttime show uh, kind of brought attention to this and, uh, He's such an important broadcaster. I'm so proud that he's on WABC. Uh, it's good to be with him on this station. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, tell me what kind of comment this is. How is this not racist? Joe Biden gets on gets on stage at some silly event and... Uh, and he thinks this is funny, self-deprecating racism. What is this? Cut 46, please. Cut 46. But I'm, by the way, you know, I'm not, I, I, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. That got a big laugh. What was the crowd all about? I remember when somebody called me a white boy. I was in a, I was in a car wash, actually, in Washington, D.C. And this uh, gentleman who happened to be African-American called me a white boy. And I, I didn't like it. It didn't make me feel good. I... I felt like I was being judged uh, on things that I could not control. Yeah, I'm a man and I'm white, but white boy, that's not right. That's not good. You don't, that's pejorative. One more time, Joe. How did you put that one more time? By the way, you know, I'm not, I I, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. (laughs) Wow, they're really eating that one up. What group was that, by the way? I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Like, as in white boys, generally speaking, are stupid? But you're the exception somehow? What the hell kind of comment is that? It's the president of the United States. Find another president. And you a remotely similar comment. Putting down, denigrating an entire... It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. The circle around him, they're no better. Uh, at least they don't talk about race all day long, but the stuff they're supposed to know about. This is Jake Sullivan. <laughs> this is Jake Sullivan. He's a national security advisor. He did not lose his job after the Afghanistan fiasco. Tells you about the accountability. We finally have a report that says what we all know. We all know that it was a total disaster. 
and had set up the Taliban quite nicely to rule Afghanistan for many years to come. But here's Jake Sullivan talking about tanks. And let me tell you something about Jake. This man has never sat in a tank. He's never seen a tank. He doesn't know what a tank is. He has ne- It's just something in an email somebody once sent him. Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor on Tanks, Cut 48. The president originally decided against sending U.S. tanks. They're called... Uh, Abrams tanks. Uh, Abrams tanks. M1A1 Abrams tanks. <laughs> it's, like it's the most exotic thing he's ever heard of. M1A1 Abrams tanks. They're called. And now listen to the negotiating prowess of Joe Biden. All right. He lays it all out there. And somehow this is a win for America. Cut 49. He originally decided against sending them because his military told them that they would not be useful on the battlefield in this fight. What would be useful would be German tanks, a tank called the Leopard, which many different European countries have. But the Germans told the president that they would not be prepared to send those Leopards into the fight. And those Leopards are arriving now, Martha, until the president also agreed to send Abrams. So in the interests of alliance unity and to ensure that Ukraine got what it wanted, despite the fact that the Abrams aren't the tool they need, the president said, okay, I'm going to be the leader of the free world. I will send Abrams down the road if you send Leopards now. That does not sound like leadership. That's not leadership. Be right back. Greg Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.